Another week here on the Mush Squad podcast. You see me, Joe Mack. You see my man, Cassandra. Oh, never mind, John Garrett. What's up, my boy? Yo, 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 yo. How we doing? All right, another week at it. Yep, another week back at it. Let's get some, uh, let's get this thing going. You see the background this week, repping for the brand. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about that? For the brand, for the little brand. Mush squad, little Mush Squad pod action. Um, let's jump right into it, Johnny. NFL Week 11 recap. Um, I highlighted some games. We, we go over our script every week. I highlighted some games we want to talk about. And then if you want to throw anything, we'll shoot the shit afterwards. Um, first thing that caught my eye from last week, how bad the Ravens versus Bears matchup was. Oh, my God. Uh, my eyes were bleeding watching that entire matchup. But you know what? Uh, hard-nosed football, outdoor football, that's basically the kind of game that you're going to get. That's been the uh, the Ravens' pedigree for some time now. They're not the prettiest team. They're hard nosed, grind it out, you know, run first football team, and that's I mean that's what we got with them. Yeah, it was uh, Andy Dalton as we saw. Andy Dalton came in for the Bears, and the Ravens were led by Tyler Huntley. Yes. From where do you know the college? University of Utah. University of Utah. We'll get to Utah a little bit later in this oh, show, too. Uh, we, we could definitely talk about them youths. Yep. But uh, are the Bears, like, could the Bears beat Alabama or Georgia right now? I, I do not think so. They don't even know who their starting quarterback is. Andy Dalton hasn't proven himself enough to be the starting quarterback. Justin Fields, who coming into the season, I thought Justin Fields was – head and shoulders maybe above everybody, maybe except for Lawrence. Right. And he has yet to prove to be the one for the Bears, the franchise quarterback, the one that they they uh, invested in. I yeah. mean, it's early in his career. It's only half a season, basically, of games that he's played. But, I mean, it remains to be seen. But as of now, he hasn't shown what it takes to be an everyday starter in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen a rookie quarterback succeed when they're the starter or not the starter or the starter. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, like, like if you want to have Justin Fields sit the whole year behind exactly. Andy Dalton, sure, that's, that's you just explain that and we roll with it. You want to have Justin Fields take the keys to the kingdom week one, you explain that and roll with it and we're going to be okay with it. But you can't start Dalton and then bench him week three. And then Fields gets hurt, and then Dalton comes in. And then Dalton gets hurt, and Fields, it, it's not going to be successful. Yeah, it's either one way or the other. You either give them the keys and run the franchise, let's do it, we're behind you 100%, no matter what happens to you, or you let them sit and then maybe bring them in towards the end of the season and you let the other guy rock out. And, you know, all of that drama, all of that 
insecurity of him almost can and lies on the shoulders of Matt Nagy. And the question I'll, I'll present you now, John, is if they lose to Detroit, and we'll get to our Thanksgiving picks at the end of the segment, uh, if the Bears lose to Detroit, does Matt Nagy wake up on Black Friday with a job? I mean, I think he'll he'll still have a job afterwards uh, towards the end of the season. However, um, I think he's gone. I think uh, they they waited for for him to step up and be the guy that they were hoping him to be. They have yet to establish a quarterback underneath him. He's supposed to be this offensive guru, and I have yet to see anybody step up. I mean, Trubisky, what's he doing now? Um, oh, you mean and- uh, Mitch Trubisky grabbing titties? <laughs> yes, yes, that guy. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, there comes a time where you, you got the young quarterback now, so you need, you need to bring in somebody fresh to basically work with the young quarterback and then take it from there instead of being with a guy that's been down the road already and he's right. yet to prove himself anything. I don't want to blur the lines too much here between our NFL talk and our college football talk, but recently fired Florida head coach Dan Mullen is is highly sought after because of his offensive pedigree and his name is being thrown out there already for potentially taking over the Chicago job. Thoughts and on look what, and and if you do remember Dan Mullen was the the head coach from Mississippi Dak. State when Dak Prescott was there, Justin Fields a very similar quarterback to Dak Prescott. So that could be a that could be a very good fit. Could be a good fit. Um speaking of strong-armed mobile quarterbacks how about them Eagles, John? Might, I mean, not be, might not be on a long winning streak anymore. I think they're three out of the last five or four out of their yeah. last six. But another win against the Saints, 40-29. to 29. Um, Jalen Hurts, what can you say about that? The Eagles offense, go ahead, run with this. I mean, uh, Jalen has definitely, in the beginning of the year, he started off a little shaky. But he's definitely picked it up. And he's, again, he's a Lamar Jackson type of player where he just – his stats might not be crazy, but he just makes the team go. He makes the offense go. I don't know if you've seen the the one touchdown run he had where he froze the guy in the backfield and then ran past the whole defense for a touchdown. But he's definitely starting to prove to be the franchise quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's, that reminds me of me running past the Peloton bike to the kitchen to get a dog. <laughs> you know what I mean, Jelly Bean? Yeah. It's but funny you, you compared – it's funny you compared Jalen Hurts to Lamar Jackson because if you remember the, what, what, what we talked about before, um, through 15 games, so Jalen Hurts hasn't even been a starting quarterback for a full season yet. Yeah. But through 15 games, his stats are almost identical to what Lamar Jackson's first 16 games were. He has yeah. more, more passing yards, a better QBR, and a higher completion percentage. Obviously, Lamar's probably 100 to 200 yards more rushing and more – of a threat oh, on the ground. Well, yeah, he's the fastest guy on the field. But he's got more He's got more wins than Lamar did his first year, too. So True, true. Pretty cool. Um, Cowboys fan, I'm talking to a Cowboys fan right now. Are you guys nervous at all for the NFC East yet? You know what? I don't think so. I think the Eagles are still uh, six losses. Yeah. They're five and six. Uh, they just won two straight. Washington won two straight. But um, I think as long as we win the division games, that we should be fine. I think last week was a, a very bad beat. The uh, the defense, I mean, the defense was about the only thing that showed up for us on uh, on Sunday. The offense, 
the offense was the worst that I've seen this season, maybe the past two seasons. Uh, we missed Tyron Smith was out with an injury. We missed Amari Cooper, who obviously would affect us some way. C.D. Lamb got injured at halftime. So uh, they were playing with a whole bunch of backup receivers, a makeshift offensive line. And uh, Tyron Smith is really the anchor that anchors the whole offensive line. So people be like, oh, well, it's just him. But it's like, no, he has a huge part. He has a huge part of that, that uh, offensive line. And they the made Chris, tackle, right? Yeah. And yeah, they so made Chris, the blind side. They made Chris Jones look like he was an all-world type of player, three and a half sacks. And, and I got a note. I've watched every game Zach Martin has ever played. And last week was the first game I ever seen him get just bull rushed over by Chris Jones and got Dak. And it, it was, I was like, well, that's how you know we're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. They didn't show well on offense. As you said, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb out, both of which are probably not going to play um, on Thanksgiving Thursday. You Obviously the Cowboys have the short week going to play Thanksgiving, their annual tradition. What, what do you guys do? What do the Cowboys do? What does Dak and Zeke do for offense Thanksgiving I mean, day? I mean, I saw Tyron Smith is supposed to play, so that will definitely bring some help on the offensive line. But they're just going to have to do their own, their own run the ball, run the ball, and get creative with the pass plays. That's all you can really do because – we have receivers. Gallup just came back from an injury. He's well more than capable. Cedric Wilson, although he had a few drops last week, he's more than capable. Dalton Schultz has been a, a bright spot at the tight end position for the Cowboys all year. Use him. So, I mean, they still have players to step up, but I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I, that's why I hate the short weeks because Amari Cooper was looking forward to playing against his old team for the first time. Right. And now since he's on the COVID protocol, he has no choice but to set out. So, it's clear. CD's probably not going to play with the concussion. It, they're going to be thin, but hopefully Tyron Smith, that O-line can do something for Zeke, you know? Yeah, that's that's what him and Tony Pollard, they should they should be able to run crazy against that defense. Best backup running back in the league, arguably, Tony Pollard. Oh, absolutely. They probably uh, – they're definitely up there with top two uh, running back tandem. Yeah, definitely. Um, last game we'll touch on for NFL, the Monday night game. Tampa Bay kind of blows the doors off of the Giants, 30 to 10. Um, woke up Tuesday morning. If you're from the area, you're familiar with the news. Your boy, Jason Garrett, fired as offensive coordinator for the Giants. Uh, your other boy, Freddie Kitchens, taken over as offensive coordinator for the Giants. Let's put, a, let's put our GM hat on for a second. Let's put, let's put our owner hat. Let's put the, put the owner hat on for a second. I got, I got some good points with this one now. What does the New York football Giants franchise do with their GM, their head coach, Danny Dimes, their running back, Saquon? What do you do? Give, you know, lay, lay it on the law right now. You know what? I, I was a fan of, of uh, Daniel Jones when they first drafted him. I thought, wow, this guy, he can move a little bit. He has a rocket for an arm, but year in and year out he just he turns the ball over way too much you can't play quarterback and turn the ball over period whether it's in throwing interceptions whether it's not holding on to the ball enough so I'm not sure if he's the guy anymore I mean I mean bring him back for one more year and next year be approve it like all right let's see what you're really about but I think also Saquon yeah you know what when he came out of the draft he was hands hands down one of the best players coming out 2018 but you can't 
with the number two overall pick, you can't draft a running back because running backs these days have proved proven to be expendable. Um, you look at all the Super Bowl winning teams. You look at Tom Brady's running backs. Who has Tom Brady really had as a running back? All these guys who are on the end end of their career or or uh, makeshift running backs, not every down backs. Like you don't really need running backs anymore in the NFL, like right. you used. To. So these these are names these are names that the Giants passed on to draft Saquon. They passed on Quentin Nelson, Colts Colts offensive lineman. They passed on Josh Allen. Bill's quarterback. They passed on Roquan Smith, who's damn near 100 tackles year in and year out for the Chicago Bears. They passed on Minka Fitzpatrick, who's always flirting with Defensive Player of the Year. And they passed on Jair Alexander, who's proven to be a lockdown quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, uh, just those names are franchise type of players, and Saquon has yet to show that he's that type of franchise player for the New York Giants. Yeah, so with the quarterback, so I was just doing some research. So as of right now, if the season ended now, the Giants have two picks in the top eight for for the first-round picks. Both the Giants and Jets have two first-rounders. Both will have top eight for both of the picks. So 50% of the first top eight picks are going to be Giants or Jets. Yeah, yeah, I've seen seen that. Daniel Jones right now, is he a better NFL quarterback, a better option than – People like Matt Corral, who's arguably the number one draft pick next year, or Kenny Pickett, or even the the, the guy from Nevada, Carson Strong. Yeah, yeah. Those are like the, the top three names right now. Obviously, yeah, I, I, if I'm Bryce a... Young was coming out, it's all 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 chips to the middle for Bryce Young. Oh, in my opinion. oh yeah, oh But yeah. he's only a sophomore or, or a redshirt freshman, so yeah, he's, he's not he's not eligible. I think. Oh. CJ Stroud's not eligible. Oh, CJ Stroud's not eligible. So the question I present you, wearing that GM hat, you can pick up that option for, for Daniel Jones and ride one more year with him, or do you draft Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, or Carson Strong with one of your first two first big round picks? You know what? And that's that's a that's a decision a lot of GMs need to make year in and year out. Is uh, you need to draft these dudes in the top ten that are franchise saving players right and what they were hoping daniel jones was and daniel jones is not that guy so you know what i would probably shop daniel jones and see what i can get for him or even just just eventually just release him then i'm going if because you don't know when you're ever gonna have a top pick like this again and you have to take advantage once you're once you're up there Can't, can't draft a running back again you can't draft a running back again and you i would probably take a i would take a flyer out on matt corral because he he has he has that NFL arm, and that's the best way that I could ever tell anybody is how you know a college player is going to translate into the NFL is the way that they throw the football and if they can make those long throws and like the sideline to sideline throws from the opposite side of the hash. And Corral probably has one of the strongest arms that I've seen in college since let's say like Matt Stafford when he was at Georgia. So I think Corral could be that type of special player. If he is drafted by the Giants, I mean, if he's drafted by anybody, but I would probably take, I would take Corral over Daniel Jones right now. All right. All right. Kind of an easy transition for us talking college football. Um, my bread and butter. What I, I, I work my ass off to get this segment together because I've never been more excited for the back end of a college football season than I am right now. 
I got no no dog in the fight. I'm a Florida Gators fan. My team is trash. Okay. Yeah. And I got no real favorite. I just I'm so all in right now for this these college football playoffs coming up, all these conference games. So let's run it down. We'll start with the college football playoffs um, rankings. No surprise to any of us. We, you and I have been talking for the last week. Um, yeah. Georgia, 11-0, no surprise, still number one. Yep. Ohio State jumps Alabama because they like, put a beat down on Michigan State. And we did talk about that last week, that, that we both felt like if, if, however they handled Michigan State, if they came up on top, that they deserved to, to right. jump Alabama in that, in that spot. Alabama um, put a beat down on, I believe it was Texas A&M. No, no Ar- Arkansas. Arkansas. Ar- that's right. They played yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. So they, they handled their business there. And then with Michigan State losing and Oregon losing, we'll get to that in a few minutes, Cincinnati jumps up to four. They're 11-0. Yep. Michigan at five, very interesting, 10-1. Yep. Michigan's still, at five. Still, still alive. Notre Dame at six, 10 and one. Yeah. And Oklahoma State at seven at 10 and one. So yeah. next two weeks, first and foremost, let's let's get the, the credit where credit's due here. If you yeah. watched or listened to this podcast last week, the last three to four minutes of the podcast, my man 12, not he did it. It wasn't a prediction, it wasn't a threat, it was a goddamn spoiler. <laughs> Okay, he told you that Oregon was going to lose to Utah. And John, can you just let me know what happened last week? Oregon versus Utah. I mean, Oregon was never even in the game. Uh, I, I've seen teams go into Utah. This is this is the only reason I'm, I'm a Pac-12 aficionado because uh, I used to work night shifts. So those were the only games that used to be on TV. So. I've seen plenty of times ranked teams go into Utah, Kyle Winningham. I called it special teams defense. What they do, punt return for a touchdown. Halftime, the game was over. 21-0, it was over. It wasn't even close. They made Anthony Brown uncomfortable in the pocket. They couldn't do anything. Oregon couldn't do anything to save their life. But um, like I said, I Utah, Utah's, Utah's a good football team, and they have a, a veteran quarterback who uh, he's a transfer, so obviously he has a lot of football under his belt that doesn't turn the ball over. So, I mean, it really was, was I mean, common sense. Oregon, Oregon looked – I've never seen a team that was top four, top five in the country look as uncomfortable as they did in this game. It yeah. was one of those weird – I think it was like an 8.30 or 9 o'clock start on Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put the game on Utah gets the ball drives down the field, seven, nothing. I flip over to another game. I come back 21, nothing halftime. I was like, what the hell happened? Yeah, so it wasn't yeah. even that close. 21, nothing wasn't it even was, that close. It, it was, it was not that close. And then again, typical pack 12 dog eat dog out there. And when they beat each other up, like they do, they get no representation. In that, the exactly. That's, that's exactly what kills them. Cause now Utah doing that, let's say Utah loses to them in the PAC 12 championship. Now n- nobody's going to be represented in the college football playoff, but I feel like that's year in and year out with uh, anybody that that's trying to represent the PAC 12. Yeah, even if Utah wins out and wins the PAC 12 championship, I don't think they're going to represent the, in the, in the college no. football playoff anyway. They're not one of the best four teams in the country. No, there's no chance. So, these next two weeks, 
we're going into this big weekend, this Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I don't want to say it's a bye week for Georgia because it is a rivalry game. Georgia, Georgia yeah. Tech, they're at Georgia Tech. But I expect nothing but them handling business. Yeah. I yeah, think absolutely. they're going to be 12-0 and after this week. Um, Alabama, on the other end, has to go into Auburn. Again, another rivalry week. A lot more, more difficult to go to Auburn than it is to Georgia Tech. I also do still think Alabama handles business. Yeah, and, and I've seen that, that point spread uh, for Alabama-Auburn is like 19 and a half. Yeah, it's, it's almost, <laughs> almost 20. Yeah, so it's like, uh, yeah, that's that's that might be – I mean, maybe maybe Auburn covers the, the points, but I still – Alabama should roll. Yeah, no pun intended, roll tide. Um, Georgia-Alabama SEC championship, the early line if both teams obviously win – and go into the game at a hundred percent Georgia minus four. I think that's kind of what? Um, what Georgia minus four is the early line. Wow. Is, is wow. Surprised by that. I'm very surprised by that. I thought just because the four number, I thought it would be three. Yeah. Uh, if that, but give me, give me Bama all day. Jesus Christ. Georgia, Georgia minus four. Um, the bread and butter of where I'm, I'm really interested in this weekend is the big 10 right now. Yeah. We know Ohio state handled business beat down Michigan state last week, Michigan handled business beat down Maryland last week. Yep. Which, so which, which up, post- yeah. So which, that sets up a yeah. big, big week, Ohio state versus Michigan in Michigan at Ann Arbor. If Ohio state wins, they go to the big 10 championship, Michigan, if Michigan beats Ohio State, they go to the Big Ten Championship. So I don't have a I don't have a line right now on that game. I'd assume it's close to a pick'em. If not, I'd say Ohio State probably minus three, even though they're in Ann Arbor. I got the spread. Go ahead. The spread is actually Michigan plus eight and a half. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that on my picks later on, okay. too. Okay. We can revisit that. On the other side, on the other side of the bracket for the Big Ten, no real competition in regards to the college football playoff. Not but at if all. Wisconsin wins. They're at Minnesota. If Wisconsin wins, they're in. Iowa needs to win at Nebraska and have Wisconsin lost. Minnesota needs some help from losses from both teams, yada, yada, yada. Regardless, the Ohio State Michigan game. I John, I can't remember a time in the last 10 years where this game has had this much riding on it. And you know what? It's it's exciting. It's um, let's say it's Harbaugh's big moment finally. This is what he got hired for. He has yet to show uh, any of the Michigan fans or the alumni uh just what he can do for this Michigan team, but this year has been special for him and special for the team. They've been firing on all cylinders, defense, offense, special teams. Yeah. Uh, they have a uh, few quarterbacks that they use, which has been his uh, Achilles heel uh, since he's got to Michigan that they just couldn't find the guy. Now it seems like whichever guy that they throw in is going out there and doing the thing. So um, it's definitely going to be a good game. I think a lot of people uh, are just uh, penciling in. Ohio State to go to the college football playoff. But I think 
This is going to be Harbaugh's best game plan that he's ever put together in his entire life. Period. So this is his big moment. This is his big chance to shut shut up a lot of hate, shut up a lot of doubters, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. Um, looking over at the Big Twelve now, really interested in what's going on with the Big Twelve. Yeah. We have again rivalry week: Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. Um, regardless of who wins, Oklahoma State is in the Big Twelve championship. Okay. Okay. But. If Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State this weekend, yeah, they play again in two weeks for the net for the uh, Big Big Twelve championship. So they would play each other in back to back weeks. Yeah, so it's like like the like the Pac twelve. Exactly. Um, the only other scenario for the Big Twelve championship is if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma this weekend, and Baylor wins. It's Oklahoma State versus Baylor. So we're either going to see Oklahoma State versus Baylor or Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. The only outcome I see of this, and we'll get, we'll get into those scenarios in a moment for the college football playoff, is if Oklahoma State wins to this week and then yeah. handles Baylor next week. They already beat Baylor. Actually, yeah, they beat Baylor this year. Yeah, so they yeah. have to beat Baylor a second time. What are your thoughts on this? I think if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma and then they go on and beat Baylor, who's also ranked, Baylor is Baylor's ranked eight in the college football playoffs now. Those are two teams in the top ten. Or wait, no. Top eight. They're both, yeah. Yeah, two teams in the in the in the top ten. They I think they they could potentially jump Cincinnati. I can and, see it. Oklahoma State just sneaks in the last couple of weeks and goes to the college football playoff, which I think would be Great for college football again. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, and the way that I have the scenarios set up, the way that I'm thinking about things. So here's 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 what I'm thinking right now. Twelve. I think Georgia wins out. Okay. Yeah, I think definitely. they I think they beat Georgia Tech, and then I think they beat Alabama, and I think they go thirteen and zero. They're the one seed for the college football playoff. Okay. okay. All right. With them beating Alabama. In the SEC championship, I think Alabama is out. There's no way two two lost team makes it to the college football playoff. I agree. Maybe if we had six or eight teams, yeah, they'd be they'd Alabama be on that. get in. But Alabama with two losses, in my situation, in my scenario here, they're not top four worthy. Okay. All right. I think Ohio State also wins out. Okay. They beat Michigan this week, and then they go on to beat whether it's Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, if all things fall for the, for the, for the golden gophers, um, I think Ohio state wins out and they're going to be 12 and one. Okay. They'll be the two seed for the college football playoff with the loss. Michigan gets their second loss. I think they're uh, eliminated from the college football contention, the playoff contention. I think Cincinnati wins out. With the win over Notre Dame and the unblemished record, 13-0, I yeah. think Cincinnati has to be your three seed in the college football playoff. Okay. And then it goes down to your four seed here. So I have it between two different teams right now. Let me know what you're thinking. Okay. We talked about the Oklahoma State situation. If they handle business this weekend, beat Oklahoma, 
and then beat Baylor next week. They beat 12 and one and your big 10, excuse me, big 12 champions. I think you got to give it to them as the four seed. Yeah. However, what happens if Oklahoma state beats Oklahoma and then loses to Baylor? Or what happens if Oklahoma state loses to Oklahoma this week, they'd have to play each other again. And then they beat Oklahoma. So they split the next two games. Both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would have two losses, kind of similar to the Pac-12, beating on each other. And then there's one team remaining. Uh, Unfortunately. Notre Dame. If they beat Stanford this weekend, they're 11-1. and Remember, there's no independent – as an independent, there's no conference championship. Although – Although the talks are then potentially going to the ACC. We'll talk about that a little later on uh, next year when that happens. Um, But if they beat Stanford 11 and one with their only loss at Cincinnati, excuse me, at home versus Cincinnati, I think they get in over a two loss Oklahoma or a two loss Alabama or a two loss Michigan or a two loss Oklahoma state. What are your thoughts? You know what? I could, I mean, I would hate to see Notre Dame go through, but that's just uh, just being biased. I think if Oklahoma or Oklahoma State win two straight, either one win both of these games coming up, they deserve to be the four seed. That's going to be uh, two wins against. I mean, if they play against each other, they're still going to be ranked. Yeah, they're still going to be ranked, and that's still going to be a better uh, resume than Notre Dame has to offer. However, I think that. Alabama losing to Georgia shouldn't really push them that far down. I think them losing to Georgia, even though that would be two losses, I think you can only really count that as being one loss since Georgia's the number one team. So I think they could potentially still sneak in with the four seed with two losses over Notre Dame by default. Yeah, but you got to look at it this way. If Alabama gets in as the four after losing to Georgia – Guess who they play in the college football again. playoffs? And then Bama beats them. That'd be something. This, this year, this year has been it's been uh, it's been crazy. crazy. It's, it's been definitely crazy. been crazy because other than Georgia, it's it's really anybody's game. Yeah, been real crazy. Um, I'm just I'm excited, man. As a college football fan, it's, it's definitely going to be something to watch this week. And then, like within two weeks, once we get the college football playoffs set and see after the conference championships who's going to be playing, it's bowl season, baby. We go yeah. every bowl. day, every day, Monday through Sunday, bowl games. Every New Year's six, baby, right around the corner. And I got I got something else I wanted to add. I got please, the, please. the updated Heisman odds, which oh, yeah. are very, very interesting now. So C.J. Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State, is still at number one. Guess what his odds are? Ten to one. Minus 200 favorite right now. Wow. Bryce Young is two plus 150. And then Matt Corral is third. He jumped Kenneth Walker last week because of the beatdown. Yeah. He's plus 1600. So, I mean, right now it's Stroud's, uh, Stroud's show. So it's his, 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 uh, his Heisman to lose. All right. Let's run through a little NBA talk. Jump into some NBA talk. John, your boy got in a little bit of a tussle this week. 
LeBron and Isaiah Stewart, your new boy, Isaiah Stewart. Oh, man. Oh, man. What's on that? Talk to me about it. So uh, that's the most fight I think I've seen LeBron put all season was uh, when he, when he uh, I don't know, hit him in the face on on accident. Oops. But I'm, I mean, everybody's been in that type of situation where like you feel like you're playing basketball, you're boxing out, so you feel like somebody's on you and you like kind of like, like get off of me but it was with the open it was with the closed fist and it hit Isaiah Stewart in the face yeah. um he was definitely should have got a one game suspension which was granted to him I think Isaiah Stewart shouldn't have got any suspension but he was acting a damn fool after the freaking thing though I think the funniest thing was when he was walking towards the locker room and then he said nah nah screw this I'll start running running at everybody i was like man would you at least pop somebody if you can't get to lebron just pop deandre jordan or somebody that's somebody funny. that's standing in the way like make it make it worthwhile but yep. yeah definitely i mean the old timer basketball guys they'd probably laugh at something like that because uh right on spot back in the day i think if lebron did that to anybody else they would just pop him on the on yeah. instant as soon as he did that, instead of being like, oh, oh, my bleeding? Oh, now I'm going to act a fool. Yeah. Like, no, like, like the minute you did that, then it's on. It's on. It's on. Uh, let me let me take this phone call real quick, 12. Give me a minute. Yeah, yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah. All right, we back with it on the bullshit. All right. My bad about that. My bad about that. I got some business. I'm a business man. <laughs> my business man. The business man. We were talking about LeBron and the Isaiah Stewart tussle. John, did the NBA get it right? One game suspension for LeBron. The second time in a row, LeBron had to sit out at MSG. Last year, he didn't play. He was sitting out because yeah. he was injured. 
this year sitting out because of suspension. The Garden, the MSG, the Mecca, LeBron, the best player in the league. Makes sense. He loves playing there, and they ruined it. Exactly. And, like, uh, you know damn well Mr. Ego himself, LeBron James, cares about playing at MSG every single time. It's, like, the number one game that he cares about. He wants to show out. He talks about it uh, endlessly of it being the best arena in the world, this and that. So, yeah, I mean, hey. Uh, NBA did get it right because you can't just be punching people in the face. And Isaiah Stewart can't just be running around trying to fight people like a damn fool. So uh, the two games was, was warranted. The one game was warranted. So, yeah, the NBA did get it right. I mean, Adam, Adam Silver, he's been around the block. So uh, he, he's he, he's he's uh, holding down in the corners. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's uh, he, he doesn't get booed as much in the during the draft. So he's one of the few commissioners that actually gets it right most of the time. Breaking down the Eastern Conference top five right now. Nets, no, no surprise, 13 and five at the top. Front runner for the MVP, in my opinion, Kevin Durant, averaging almost 30. Playing okay. defense, he had three or four blocks a game ago. Um, Bulls, 12 and six. I saw a stat, could be a little wrong here, but I think I got it. DeMar DeRozan through his first 24, or what is it? Through his first 14 games as a bull. He's on a faster pace than Jordan was through his first 14 games as a bull with points. It's crazy, which is crazy because people forget like DeMar DeRozan is, is a perennial all-star yeah. uh, every year. So he kind of, he was part of that Kawhi Leonard deal and they kind of shipped him out to a team that wasn't really a team and the Spurs uh, where it was like way too much on him. And now he can go back to a, to a role where he actually has guys around him and he could score the basketball. So he's been having a great year. Bulls are having a great year, period. Yeah. Lonzo's really, like, stepped his game up on the defensive side with the field, the court vision as the assist guy. Zach Levine, something like 47% from three, still yes. yamming it from the free throw line. They yeah. got a good squad. We'll talk about this. I'll, I'll talk about this till my, 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 my ears run dry, man. It's, they're doing a really good job. Heat, 11-6, and six, no surprise with the team they built yeah. down there. Yeah. Wizards only surprise for me in the top four in the East. It's Bradley Beal and a bunch of Joe 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 Blows. You know what I mean? Kuzma, it's, Kuzma's there too. Don't forget. Oh yeah, Kuzma and his sweater. How's your boys? How's your boys' sweater? All right. Hey, I, I saw a tweet that was like, uh, "The Wizards are off to one of their best starts ever." Kyle Kuzma can wear whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And then the Hornets, eleven and eight, at in the five. Question for you, twelve. Besides yeah. you and me. Besides yeah. you and me. Yeah. Is there anybody else who has more fun at their job than the Hornets TV broadcast team? Absolutely not. They have they have a bunch of, of young and exciting players and Lamelo, uh, Bridges, uh, Terry Rozier. They're Terry, all walking. Terry. They're all walking highlights. So those guys, every time that they're doing a game and you get the chance to watch it, they are such a joy to watch. Yeah. Big shout out the play by play man Eric Collins. He's the one that's. I He's the, one, he's the one that goes hand. Mikael Bridges. Bridges. Now, I saw one. I saw one last night. Scary Terry with that crossover. Oh, you saw that? Ooh, little ooh, skip to my little spin on the ball. Spin on the ball. Come right back to him. Yup. And then Del Curry, analyst, obviously little little uh, family protege there with his two sons. Um, Got to give Steph Curry love for what he's doing this year. But what about Seth Curry being the only player in the league? Averaging 40, 50, 90. 
Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Seth Curry definitely earned – he earned everything that that he's gotten since he's been in the NBA. He started off in the D League. He bounced around to a bunch of teams. Then Philly came, gave him a bunch of money. Uh, you, you, if you watch, if you if you watch the playoffs last year, I mean, he was basically the only one on the Sixers that was scoring the ball down down the stretch because uh, ben, ben Simmons was uh, MIA. Yeah. So he he's been he's been a, a proven scorer now in the NBA, and he's definitely somebody to watch out for whenever every night that you play the Sixers. So he um he's definitely he's definitely showed out. And he's freaking a solid NBA player. Which yep. who would have thunk it? Yep. Uh, Western Conference Warriors with big brother Steph, 15-2, and two, literally on fire. This team, they no surprise to me, no surprise at all. And we talked about this last week. They're not even at full strength yet. They're, they're, not. they're, they're, they're getting there and all the weapons they're getting. Like, think of this, think of it this way. Andrew Wiggins with what he's doing right now, he's going to be the sixth man when everybody comes back and healthy. Oh yeah, yeah. Transition to have that firepower and that um, the improvement he's had in his career from the last two or three years, he's going to be that first guy off the bench. He's like, obviously Andre Iguodala is there, but he's Andre Iguodala from 2015 on steroids right now. The way oh, he's absolutely, way, way more scoring a bit, way more scoring. So and those old teams. With the Warriors, that's what they prided themselves on with the super strong bench, with all yeah, these role players that did their job. So now you're telling you Wiggins, Wiggins is going to go to the bench and come off the bench, a proven scorer? Like, um, that team's going to be scary. Suns, 13 straight wins. They're third longest in franchise history, third, third longest franchise history winning streak. They're 14 and three. Uh, Jazz, 11 and six. Clippers, 10 and seven. Paul George is a walking bucket right now. He's, he's been killing it too. And Kawhi, Kawhi has yet to return. Yeah. Kawhi never to return from injury. So uh, they, they've been uh, staying afloat until he does come back to, to be full power. Mavericks nine and seven. Um, Porzingis has stepped it up a little bit. I still yeah. think they got to bring him back behind the shed and put him down like an old dog. <laughs> uh, because I just, I don't fuck with Porzingis, man. Nah, nah that's um, Lucas' team, hands down. Porzingis was, uh, he was supposed to be like the superstar, but he is, he's yeah, a uh, shell of that. Mark Mark Cuban wanted Luca and Porzingis to be the next Nash and Nowitzki, and unfortunately, nah, Porzingis can't, ha- can't hold a candle to Nowitzki. So. Uh, Porzingis couldn't hold uh, Nowitzki's jock strap on his worst day. <laughs> Um, we kind of talked about Kyle Kuzma's sweater already. Uh, the only note I had about that is what the fuck <laughs> is that? No, I saw the one tweet. It's like every 25 likes will make Kuzma's sweater bigger. Oh, I saw that. It's like it was Godzilla. Like the top of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quick transition to college basketball. College hoops is finally back. Gotta love it. Um, if you were, if you're following our Mush Squad podcast Instagram account, um, you saw a couple of posts yesterday. Big shout out to Dickie V, Dick Vital, yeah, back definitely. on the sidelines, back on the broadcast. Um, he was away due to lymphoma. He also, back in August, uh, announced he had melanoma as well. So unfortunate for him, two forms of cancer. If you saw the video, I know Barstool posted it, ESPN posted it. Super emotional at the beginning of the broadcast. But it's good to see Dickie V, baby, back on yeah. the sidelines. 
definitely a voice voice of college basketball i think everybody that plays high school basketball that dreams of playing college basketball dreams of dicky v being one of their announcers and him talking about them and uh new jersey native too by the way oh yes yeah. oh yeah so, uh, definitely definitely a legend in the game and uh it's definitely good to hear his voice and for him to be back baby baby diaper dandies <laughs> run down the top 10 we'll end with the one versus two matchup we saw last night not really much of a matchup in my opinion, but no. Alabama at 10, Memphis 9, Texas at 8, Villanova, Jay Wright with 7, Baylor defending national champs at 6, Duke at 5, Kansas at 4, Purdue at 3, UCLA 2, Gonzaga 1, and we saw that matchup last night. Follow the Mushguard pod. You saw some highlights posted. Your boy, Chet, another prediction from you, 12. You, you know what? A couple weeks ago, talking about my man, that kid, that kid is a freaking stud. Let me tell you, he is seven, whatever, and he can handle the ball like that. He he's gonna be he's gonna be a problem in the NBA. And there's actually a game coming up Friday. It's, it's Gonzaga and Duke, so it's one versus five. And you got Chet Holmgren, who's a potential first overall pick in the NBA draft, going against Paolo Banchero, yep. who's uh Duke's prize recruit and they've been battled and they actually might go one and two in the draft or maybe some teams takes Monchero over homegroom and they'll be vice versa but those are hands down the top two uh coming out coming out of the college into the pros I don't want to put too much pressure on Chet because he's he's balling out for all of us white boys in the world <laughs> um, but I mean if you just Look at the way he plays right now. Now, he's yeah. 18, 18 or 19. He's a true freshman. I think he's like 7-2. He plays that power forward, point forward position. Dude looks like, like Kevin Durant the way he plays. Nah, that's Super definitely that's, lanky, can that's finish a good comparison. You know, it's, it's – It's a good comparison. And, and yeah, everyone, they're definitely going to um, get him in the weight room, probably definitely in the off season, and try to make him bulk up a little bit. But he's definitely very similar to Durant, yep. and uh, he's 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 real fun to watch. True freshman against UCLA yesterday, who returned I think four or five starters. A lot of returning uh, higher senior, junior, and senior players yep. on that UCLA team. Uh, Gonzaga handled business and won by twenty. Easily yeah. the, the best that, team that, in the country. Yeah, that game wasn't even close. They were they were winning by 20 since the first half, and it just yeah. stayed stayed uh, that 20-point cushion. And Holmgren ended up with 15-6. and six. Uh, Jacob Timmy, he ended up with 18-2. and two. So both of their two best players, from, uh, I mean, it was just another day's work for them. So, I mean, that, that Duke game is going to be interesting to see. But I still think Gonzaga is going to be the top dog. Yeah, I think Gonzaga is the best team in the, in the country. Obviously, it's way too early. I think, like – two or three of the teams in the top 10 already have two or three losses because yeah. they're, they're playing all these quote unquote well, tournaments. Uh, and stuff. Early tournaments. Yeah. yeah. Um, rumor has it, we have some boots on the ground in Vegas for the Duke game today. Is that true? Yeah. Scotty G Scotty G um, let us know what the, how it's feeling in the arena, what, which way uh, the is blowing, uh, you know, any little bit can help us. Shout out Scotty G holding it down for the Mush Squad podcast all the way out in Las Vegas tonight. <laughs> um, that wraps up what we got minus my favorite segment of the week. John, oh, anything to oh, add man. about NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball? 
You know, I have one more thing about college basketball. I like what Memphis has been doing as of late, recruiting-wise and uh, playing-wise. Penny Hardaway is kind of transitioning into the new John Calipari, where he's getting these kids, knowing damn well that they're not going to stay for four years. They have uh, Amani Bates now, Jalen Duran now, who are they're definitely not staying after this year. But uh, they can definitely be a team to watch come tournament time, and uh, they can make a run, I think. But that's it. I'd like to also give a big shout out to my UConn Huskies 22 seed. Um, just breaking the last few minutes, beat number 19 Auburn, yeah. 115-109 in double overtime. That was, that was a hell of a game. Yeah. So, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it, but Sonogo had 30. So, Adama and Sonogo, the, the forward for the, for the uh, Huskies, the, the kind of leader on the floor. Had had thirty points, uh, yeah. Another big W from my from my boys, the Huskies. Hey, hey, hey! Maybe uh, just like the good Big East days, they're back, baby. We're back, baby. The the diaper dandies, baby. We got two segments left, John. We're gonna go with the Patrick Ramsey weekly random athletes of the week. Hopefully, you did your homework. We're going with college and or NBA guards all right i got four solid ones we'll run it like we did last week we'll take turns talking about stats uh, or fun facts. and then we'll and then we'll end it with some some thanksgiving football some bets of the week all right let's do it let's do all it right. i'm gonna go first if that's cool oh my easiest one and we're not friends anymore if you don't get this right? oh snap all right don't put that on me here we go. Now, you, you got this. You're going to go three for four, maybe four for four. Mine, I promise. Okay. Okay. This guard spent three years playing in the Sunbelt Conference, where he was named Sunbelt Player of the Year twice and Sunbelt Male Athlete of the Year twice. He holds his school record for most career points, 1,819. Drafted in the first round, Pick 28 to the Boston Celtics. Any guesses yet? All right. Sunbelt. Sunbelt throwing me off. Averaged 18.4 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game for, at, at school. Okay, okay, okay. Currently a player. I think I know. I think I know. For the Sydney Kings of the Australian National Basketball League. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know that. Known for hitting the game winner in a 2015 NCAA tournament game for his school, Georgia State University. Oh, I know who it is. Who is it? Uh, what's his name? His dad was the head coach. Oh, what the hell is his name? Uh, R.J. Hunter. Bing, bing, bing. R.J. <laughs> Hunter. My boy, remember that? Remember that game? Yeah. Dad fell off. He had the scooter. He was nice, bro. And that that game winning shot actually got him freaking drafted in the first round. Absolutely. So my first Patrick Ramsey guard of the week, RJ Hunter. Who you got for me? All right, I got my guy was an Illinois guard. He was the third, the third guy on the team with. Darren Williams and Luther Head. His junior year, he they went thirty-seven and two 
eventually losing to North Carolina in the national championship. He's the win- winningest player in program history. Third all-time in scoring and second in career threes. Never really played in the NBA. Played overseas in Turkey, Israel, Italy, China, and Puerto Rico. If I'm thinking of the right guy, I hope I am. Big headband guy. Yes, yes. Got drafted over Steph Curry. No, wrong guy. Oh, okay. I'm thinking D. Brown. D. Brown, not yet, but uh, uh, Johnny Flynn got drafted. Johnny Flynn was the one that got yeah, drafted. Yeah, yeah. So I'm but D. Yeah, Brown. D. Brown, was D. Brown was D. Brown was the third to that. To that. Fun, fun fact, little extra quiz here. That Illinois team, yeah. first round of the tournament, they were the one seed for their bracket. Yes. Who did they play as the 16 seed? Fairly Dickinson, and they were winning by like one at halftime, I think. They were winning by one at halftime <laughs> to Fairly Dickinson and then one by yep. 33. Yeah, yep, I remember. Gotta love it. All right, next one. Ready for this? This guard played in 34 games as a freshman and averaged 7.4 points per game. Okay. His sophomore year, he his average jumped to 18 points per game and was named all ACC first team for the 99-2000 season. He's a three-time all ACC player, the all ACC team, 2002 ACC player of the year and 2002 ACC male athlete of the year. Drafted 17th overall by the Wizards in 22, excuse me, 2002, and played in the NBA for a bunch of teams till 2011. He's currently the head coach of Mid-Eastern Atlantic Conference powerhouse, Coppin State Eagles. I know, I know who it is. Who is this? Juan Dixon. My man, Dixon. <laughs> Yo, he was a problem. He a was big a big problem. problem. They won. They, they won the uh, Maryland won the national championship. I think they played Indiana in the championship, yep. and they had Steve Blake was on that team. Blake. They had a uh, Chris Wilcox was on that team, and another big dude I can't think of his name was on that, that team. But that team, that team was loaded. Yep, that's my boy Juan Dixon. Yo, yo, he was he was legit. He was legit. All right, got, all, right, hey, all right, my guy was one of the first names in uh, Jay Wright building Villanova into what they are today. He was there from 2006 to 2010, scored the second most points in school history, led the Wildcats to four straight tournament appearances. He was an All-American his senior year, never really panned out in the NBA and played it. Philippines, Turkey, Czech Republic, Israel, Russia, Turkey, and Croatia. So Nova, you said 06? 06 to 2010. He was basically like the only dude that they had on the team. It's not Lowry. Lowry was there in 06. Yeah, he's he's a little older. I don't know, bro. I don't know this one. Scotty Reynolds was uh, a problem. He was a he was a walking bucket for Villanova. Yeah, Scotty. Okay, I, obviously I know that name. Scotty Reynolds. That's that's my guy too. All right, 
Ready for this one? There's an NBA. We're going to NBA now? I, I got one last college, and then I got oh. one NBA. All right. I got, I got two NBAs after. All right. This name, this is a name, bro. This is a name. You're going to be like, oh, my God. You're, you're probably going to get it. Your, your college acumen is crazy. All right. This guard spent four years in college. Okay. Three in the Big Ten and one year in the Big 12. Okay? Okay. Out of his 127 career games, he only started 42, but was a vital cog in the 2010 March Madness tournament for his team. Okay. He hit a buzzer-beating three against the University of Maryland in the second round of the 2010 March Madness tournament. His team eventually went on to play in the final four, but lost to Butler. In 2011, he was suspended from his team and had to sit out an entire year before transferring to that Big 12 school, Iowa State. His last professional basketball was in 2017 with Macedonian basketball club <laughs> Rabotniki. <laughs> he played three years at Michigan State. Who is it? Is it like uh, something Lucius, I think? Corey Lucius. <laughs> My hitter. I remember. I remember him. I was like, why the, why, how the heck he got on Iowa State now? That team was a problem, bro. I definitely, yeah, that team, I picked, I think I picked them to go all the way. Yeah, those teams were a problem, man. That was my, that's my last college one. I got one NBA guy, but you're going to get him easy. But go ahead, you're up. All right, I got an NBA guy right now. All right, my guy was, he went to Wake Forest from 1999 to 2003. He was a 2003 first-round draft pick, 29th overall to the Dallas Mavericks. He played for the Mavericks, Wizards, Jazz, and Timberwolves and was a all-star in 2007 playing with the Mavericks. He, his career averages, that stood out at least, are 14 points per game and four rebounds per game. So modest, modest. Solid NBA player. All right, let me think. Hold on. These are always the good ones because uh, – in the NBA, like the if you have less than like three all-star appearances, you could be the most random player ever <laughs> that people forget about. Run me down his draft again. So it was 2003. 2003. First round to the Mavs. To the Mavericks. And he made the all-star game as a Maverick. Stumped. Stumped. Josh. Josh Howard. Josh Howard. Everyone forgets, yo. He was a he was a solid, solid NBA player. He went a ring with the Mavs. I don't know. I don't remember. What year was that? Was that Nowitzki? When did Nowitzki win his ring? That was like eleven, though, right? Yeah, that's too. That's too late. Uh, yeah, I think he might have. Yeah, he might have bounced from the the Mavericks by then. So I don't think so. Yeah, that's Josh when they had all Howard. big yeah. big headband guy. Another yeah. headband guy. Tall, tall shooting guard. Another headband guy. All right, here's my last one, all right? This NBA sharpshooter played, played four years at Wisconsin. First-round draft pick, 
21st overall to the Suns in 1995. Oh, he head. He old head. Okay, okay, okay. Respectable 15.8 points per game, 4.4 rebounds per game. NBA champion in 07, two-time All-Star 2000 and 2001. So, again, like you just said, two All-Stars, random-ass guy. Played for the Suns, the Mavericks, the Spurs, and the Celtics, and is currently Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Dallas Mavericks. Who this man is? Is it it Thunder Dan Marley? Nope. Dan Marley's a little older than this guy. Is it Matt Bonner? Nope. All right, all right. I got him, I got him, I got him. Come on, it's your man's. It's your boy. Known as a Dallas Maverick. Didn't win his championship as a Maverick. He won it with the Spurs, but he's known as a Maverick. He was on those squads with uh, with Steve Nash, Nowitzki. Is it Sean Marion? No. Sean Marion was a son, my boy. Come on. Last hey, guess. What the fuck, bro? Look. War number four for a good portion of his career. Oh, Sharks. Michael Finley. Michael, Michael Finley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got you on that one, though. I got you on that I one. I forgot about him. That's my uh, he, boy. Yeah, he was he was good. He was a problem. Another one of those guys where like he's an all-star a couple couple years, and then it's like you just sizzle out. Dude, I was looking at his college stats. So he played all four years at Wisconsin. It was like 17 points per game, 17.8, 18 points per so like he was just Mr. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. and got drafted first round for it. And that threw me off to him going to Wisconsin. I didn't know he went to Wisconsin. Yeah. That threw me right. off. You got one more? Yeah, I got one more. This is this is a good one. He was back in the day. I definitely liked this guy a lot. He he went to Western Carolina University. He was a first round pick, twenty sixth overall, in the two thousand four draft to the Sacramento Kings. He played for the Kings, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Timberwolves, and the Spurs. He's known for his unorthodox way of shooting. Uh, he was a walking bucket, though. He had uh, career averages of 17 points per game, three rebounds a game. His career high is 50 points against the Warriors in 2009, and he scored 48 points three times in his career. Who, do, who drafted him again? The Kings. Weird shot. Yeah. Not Doug Christie, is it? No. I might go 0 for 4 today, Garris. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Jason Terry? No. I don't know anybody who ever got drafted by the Kings, bro. Kevin Martin. Oh shit, Kmart. Yo, yo, he was nice. He was bro. a bucket. Even he when he, he nice. was on the rock, the Rockets, he was a bucket. Yeah, yeah. He used to, he used to like consistently score twenty a game. Where did you say he went? Western Carolina. Western Carolina. Still a first round pick though from there. Bro, if you if you go into school in Carolina and it's not like North Carolina or 
or even I'll even give love to Coastal Carolina, the Eastern <laughs> Bro, I could would have never guessed that in a million years. But Kmart, that, 50, that point, shot, fifty points in one game, though. Yeah, that shot was disgusting, but it, it was Awful. it was drippy, as the kids say. You know, that shit was uh, definitely drippy. Yeah. Last few things, John. We'll talk about the the matchups tomorrow. First and foremost, young twelve. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Little, little man's first Thanksgiving. You're going yeah. to feed him yeah. some turkey? What's going on? Yeah, we're going to mush him up a little bit. Cranberry yeah. sauce, a little stuffing, chop it up real nice. Kid loves food. He loves eating. He's going to be a linebacker. Got to get him some uh, some grass sauce to go with that cranberry sauce. <laughs> you, feel me, you feel me with them blue diamonds? <laughs> you guys got any plans for Thanksgiving tomorrow? What's up? Uh, her family's coming over and nice. we just food host them and stuff like that but yeah, yeah right. it should, should be a good time hopefully, cool. hopefully cowboys get that dub too put the cherry on top speaking of nfl three matchups tomorrow thanksgiving we got the bears at detroit 12 30 gotta love the 12 30 kickoff love, on thanksgiving. The early start love the early pants start. on the couch all day uh bears minus three john where are you going on this one um I think it came out today that the Lions are going with uh, the backup quarterback, not Jared Goff. Who are they going with? What's his name again? Dan Boyle. <laughs> so he's making his first NFL start. So naturally, I would think the line would move from plus three to maybe on five or four. The line did not move at all. No movement. So I am, I'm going to go out and say Detroit money line. I think last I saw, they're plus 145. So give me all of that. Dan Campbell, it's hard to go winless in the season they have a tie but that still is not a win right. it's very hard to go winless so this is your one opportunity national televised your one game of the year to do something and save your job potentially yeah. so i'm definitely i'm taking detroit money line plus 145 yeah i like the lions as well to win the game outright i think this begins the end of the matt nagy time frame um, yeah I think the Bears are a dumpster fire right now on Absolutely. both sides of the ball, especially Khalil Absolutely. Mack out for the year with the injury. I, it's not what we use. What the Chicago Bears used to be a defensive powerhouse. Brian Erlacher, Peanut Tillman. Ex yeah, Peanut was a problem. problem. I think the Lions win something ugly, ugly game. Ugly, very ugly game. 14-10, 14-13. If that, if that. It, Give me the Lions, period. We'll, we'll skip the second game because that's your, your bread and butter. We'll go to the nightcap. Bills minus six at the Saints in the Superdome tomorrow night. Bills minus six coming off a beatdown by my MVP favorite, Jonathan Taylor. Okay, okay. In the Indianapolis Colts, five touchdowns. Fifth highest ranked fantasy game of all time. Do you know who number one is? Is it Doug Martin? Nope. He's he's number three. Damian Tomlinson? Nah. Jamal Charles. Oh, okay, okay. Jamal okay. Charles is one. Number two was actually Alvin Kamara last Christmas. Oh, that's right. He had like, what, six touchdowns? Six, six touchdowns, two receiving, four rushing. Uh, three was Ladanian Tomlinson, four Doug Martin. And fifth was Jonathan Taylor last week. So good job on that's, that always, that's always crazy when they bring those stats out. Cause that's like, damn, bro. You had a ridiculous game. Yeah. Oh, you scored six touchdowns. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so who you, who do you like? Saints at home plus six versus the bills. What happens tonight, tomorrow night? 
I mean, it's always tough to go into New Orleans and play in the Superdome, but the Bills, the way they've been firing on all cylinders, I don't think it's going to be close. They should definitely cover that spread of winning by a touchdown. Uh, Saints are kind of lost right now offensively. They don't have any identity, especially with Winston not playing. So uh, give me the Bills Bills to bounce back, especially after a loss like that. They're definitely going to bounce back and beat the Saints. Agreed. I'm aligned on this one, too. Bills to cover, minus six. Um, I got that one right there, easy. Finally, everybody's favorite matchup, that 4.30 kickoff. The Raiders going into Jerry World. Cowboys, minus seven and a half is what I have it at right now. Oh, that's a little much. Minus seven and a half. No Amari Cooper, no CeeDee Lamb. Minus seven and a half, 12. I don't know. Like I said, uh, Tyron Smith's coming back. Their defense has been locked down as of late. Um, I don't like the seven and a half number. If it was less than seven, I would take it. But I think I'll I'll take the Raiders plus seven and a half, bro. And that's my freaking team. On Thanksgiving, my boy? Come on. Cowboys will win by three, four, or six. Ah, Seven and a half is tough. All right. So you got the Cowboys winning but not covering. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Cowboys with Tony Romo years ago, they used to always bowl out on Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. 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 Bowl out always since Dak's been there. Not really old. They've gotten some wins, but I remember Thanksgiving games used to be like 33 or 36, 400 yards, two touch. You know what I mean? I do like the Raiders to cover. So I like the Raiders to my, I got the Raiders plus seven and a half. But again, you know, two birds of a, of a feather, my boy. We flocking together. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, Cowboys, so got, Cowboys to win, but not to cover. You know what that means all the listeners need to do is just take completely opposite whatever we take. I'll make sure we put our bets up on the Mush Squad account, the Instagram Mush, at Mush Squad podcast. Um, I, think that's, I think we covered everything, 12. What do you got left? Anything? Uh, the you want to throw in a bet of the week or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead go you go first what do you I, do? I kind of hinted at it earlier uh the michigan ohio state game i think that spread is um handing out free candy like i said before i think i think harbaugh is gonna have his best game plan of his life coming into this game they're at home their quarterbacks have been playing well the defense has been playing well Everybody's on Ohio State. Everybody's punching in Ohio State into the National College football playoff. Now, if Ohio State wins, it's going to be by less than a touchdown. I don't. I can't see them going into the big house and absolutely destroying them. I'm going to take Michigan plus the eight and a halfs that they're getting. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people, people are going to start thinking about. And uh, I think Michigan is definitely going to cover it. I don't know if they're going to win, but they're definitely going to cover the eight and a half number. Right. So Michigan to cover eight and a half. I'm going to go with the NFL for okay. my pick of the week. It's actually a two part. Uh, I call it the MetLife special, MetLife Stadium special. <laughs> the Jets are in Houston plus two and a half. Now, yes, no Mike White out with COVID. Yeah. No Joe Flacco out with COVID. Yes. Awesome. Great job, Jets. Um, but, but Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's going to play. Oh, well, Hey man, Houston 
we have a problem because you are not a good football team. So I think the Jets win outright, but I'll take the points. I'll take the extra little uh, gimme, gotcha. gimme. Yeah, so gotcha. I to, I'm taking the Jets plus the two and a half. Okay. My second bet of the week, the other half of the MetLife special, <laughs> the Giants are home on Sunday. I'll be there versus the Philadelphia Eagles. You heard us talking earlier in the podcast, praising Jalen Hurts and that Philadelphia offense. Eagles are only favored by three and a half, 12. I think the Eagles win by a touchdown. Yeah, I can see, see it. When a team goes to MetLife Stadium the last two or three years, it's not an advantage to the Giants or Jets anymore because half the fans are either yeah, not the opposing team. they're either not showing up or they're selling their season tickets. Yeah. Raiders a few weeks ago, it was about 60,000 people there, about 35 to 40,000 Raiders fans. Last week was Jets Dolphins. Half the stadium was empty. We were looking at about 45,000 people, a majority of which were Dolphins fans. The Eagles, it's just a quick trip up the turnpike, my man. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be a home game. Yeah, absolutely. Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely. So give me the Eagles plus, excuse me, give me the Eagles minus the three and a half to not only cover, but to win by seven to ten points easy against yeah, the I, Giants. I, I can see it. So Jets plus two and a half in Houston, Eagles minus three and a half at home versus the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Those are my bets of the week. Let's see. Let's get a uh, same thing that happened last week. Let's see. Any bold predictions, 12? Oof. I mean, yeah, the college fo- hopefully the college football playoff is uh, gets all sorts of messed up, which would be the best thing possible. So that's what I'm rooting for. And that that's I think it's going to happen. I think, like I said, I think it's going to happen this week. I don't see any big upsets this week, college football. But it all depends on what that Big 12 looks like, that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That's kind of like the, the key holder to what that fourth, potentially third position in the playoffs look. So I'm just I'm just stoked, man. College football fan, I'll be glued to that TV all day Saturday. Same, same, same. Uh, that's all I got. My man, appreciate it. Another great week. Great Make week. Sure you tune in. Uh, Garris is I am number 12 spelled out on Instagram. I'm at Joe McGrath 89 on Instagram. Follow our account at Mush Squad Podcast. We'll be posting stuff. We'll get those bets up before those Thanksgiving games tomorrow. Uh, as always, my man, appreciate you. Yes, great time as always. LeBron, come on, dude. Come on. Let's run this back next week, all right? All right. All right, later. Peace.